This podcast is produced by Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency. The Collective Us, an NMCAA podcast, focuses on inspiring you through stories of those we've helped through our programming or by linking local resources to community members in need. Join us as we learn about the programs offered through NMCAA and how we touch people's lives every day. Welcome back to The Collective Us, an NMCAA podcast. I'm Erica Austin, and this is Ryan Buck. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Erica. How's it going? I'm doing great today. The sun's shining, yada, yada, yada. Enough about us. (laughs) Let's move into this truly inspiring story today. Did you know June is National Homeownership Month? I did. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I guess you did. (laughs) Well, I say it to everybody out there. And today we have three guests in our studio. We have Emily Bronkema, Job Flow Coordinator in the Housing and Energy Efficiency Department, or HEES, at NMCAA. Hey, Emily. We have Craig Bosworth, owner of Bayside Plumbing. Thank you for being here. And finally, we have Doug Bertzel, client of the HEES Department of NMCAA. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm going to jump in because... H-E-E-S is actually he's in the NMCAA world. <laughs> oh, acronym. <laughs> Another acronym. We can this go a... with he's. Yes, yes. No worries. Okay, so thanks everyone again for joining us today. Before we get into today's inspiring story, let's get a quick rundown on National Homeownership Month. So National Homeownership Month celebrates the value that owning a home brings to families, communities, and neighborhoods across America. National Homeownership Week began in 1995, which was the strategy of the administration under President Clinton to increase homeownership across America. In 2002, President George W. Bush expanded the period of observance from a week to an entire month of June. National Homeownership Month reinforces the belief that owning a home is one of the steps towards achieving the American dream. But as we learned today, being a homeowner isn't always sunshine and rainbows, right, Ryan? That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's why we're here. We're jumping in. And there's a lot of inspiration to be found here, but we're going to talk to you, Emily, about housing and energy efficiency. There are two programs involved. Mm -hmm. There's weatherization and there's home repair. Two important things. Can you give us a quick rundown on each of those specific programs? Sure, of course. Thank you for having me, by the way. Of course. I'm excited to be here and explain this. So our weatherization program, it's an income-based program. It's federally funded by the Department of Energy, and the income federal guideline, you just have to be underneath the threshold of 200%. So that, in short, is a little bit about the program. The goal of the program is to actually achieve lower bills. higher Yeah, lower, but we all like that, lower, especially this day and age. The best efficiency you can have as far as your appliances go anything else you can think of around your house. So that's, I guess, a little bit in short of our weatherization program. And our emergency home repair program is funded by what we call block grant, and that is the Community of Development block grant. And that's actually recycled funds through what clients have used through their counties, what they have used to pay back. So it's no new funding source. It's just recycled monies that people have made payments on through the county that income threshold is you have to be below 80% of the area median income. So hopefully that kind of gives you a little bit of a gist with that program. The difference, I guess I'd say, between the two is that the home repair program, it's more emergency-based. So if you have a bigger project that, such as a roof or you know you need some siding, 
those are big ticket items. So I would say they're more along the lines of what you'd be looking at for right. an emergency and case. And it's important to distinguish between the two. Sure. Right? Because there are a couple of different focuses, but there's a lot to be considered. There's a lot of factors. You Absolutely. have a lot of experts who work with you and mm-hmm. individuals who help your constituents. Absolutely. And I think what's really good to know about the weatherization program is it's no money out of the client pocket. So it's when we say grant, that means it's the services that we provide are free. So That's wonderful. Yeah. Doug, you reached out to NMCAA for an issue you'd been facing for some time. And before yes. we get into the details and all that kind of stuff, what's really been impressed upon me in talking to NMCAA in this podcast is the connection with people in reaching out to NMCA in connecting with somebody. So how did you get connected and what was that experience like? Uh, well, I got connected with the agency a long time ago. It's been about a 10-year off and on relationship. First, I went through the weatherization program. They helped me get new doors and get basically my energy efficiency up they put a new furnace in uh my bills went from about 120 a month for gas down to about 45 wow back and that's, that's 10 years ago so was it, it a pretty it was, easy process that, i mean that the first time through that i went all the way through the weatherization program uh, was not a problem and then this time just Following up and maintaining contact with people there, there was a couple times before that I had tried and I didn't do my part as in doing due diligence, making sure people know what the situation is and everything else like that. And then this time through, I had help from my neighbors to get to NMC and and get the paperwork filled out and everything else like that. And at this point in time, would like to throw a thanks out to a whole list of people like Jerry Boltzi, who brought me here today. He also helped me get over there a few times. Lois Horn, my across-the-street neighbor. This is a community of of people around you that... That helped (laughs) me get contacted with Emily and maintain that contact and get the job taken care of. Like I said, I went through a couple times before this and, you know, filled all the paperwork, and then I'd get a phone call, well, we need this piece of paper, and it's like, <laughs> and just lose it, right, and, right. and just crawl back into my antisocial hole. Right, right. <laughs> but there was help along the way, and you found that And this time, I, I now have running water after 10 years. Well, so your story is, and I'm so glad to be meeting you and to talk to you, we are, your story brings up a lot of questions. So you had to live without running water for quite some time. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Well, thankfully, getting water in the summertime was no problem because my next door neighbor always said, just come over. If you need to use the hose, just you know, use it. And so in the summertime, it was no problem. It's a lot different in the wintertime when the, the faucets froze. And, and, you know, and that, at times I was taking a melting snow to do dishes with and stuff like that. I always had bottled water for drinking and cooking. Mm-hmm. And that's... It's You've a made lot adjustments. Of, you made adjustments. You, you, yeah, exactly. You have to make adjustments when you're living in a situation like that. Yeah. And I think 
The biggest thing that kept my spirits above everything else is if you look around the world as a whole, not just America, there's a heck of a lot more people without running water in their homes than there isn't. There's a lot more that don't have it than do. That's a very kind perspective of you to take. And that's wonderful that that helped push you forward. But, you know, you made these adjustments and you were able to reach out to a community who did help. But that process started with, was it a phone call? Was it a, what was that first step? That first step was getting over my difficulty for asking for help. That was the main thing. And after that, you know, I connected with DHS when I started having problems. Mm -hmm. And they connected me with Father Fred. Father Fred eventually gave me the number to Northwest Community Action Agency. Right. I'm a vet, and I've had help from the Veterans Administration. As far as the medical stuff and everything with them goes, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. As far as getting um, actual aid or loans out to people... Either I'm missing something or it's true that because I live in a mobile home, they don't want to help with the financing of it because of the, you know. Right. But that first step, it was just getting over your pride, if you will, to ask for help. And did your, the community people that you, you know, you mentioned and you think, did they know right away that you didn't have the running water or was that something that you didn't, you kind of kept from them as well uh, at, the, at the beginning? Gosh, I think basically what my well went out and I was told by a company that I needed to replace the main uplift tube. Mm-hmm. And well, there's two casings in there. I had to replace the outer casing. And then rehab uh, the screen and everything else to get it up and running again. Berg well drilling came out and started on the work. And there was miscommunications between me and them. And the next thing I know, they left. At that point in time, I was living with my significant other, who has since passed away. But yeah. I didn't know what had happened, and I called them up, and they said, well, this is what you need, this is how much it's going to cost, and we're going to need the money up front. Basically, it was $5,000 up front to do the work. And it's like, well, hold on here. I mean, that's a sum of money for a person living on disability as it is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And everything else, and basically about... Five or six weeks after that, I found out that you can't, you can only repair wells. You can't replace them. You can't drill anything new? New. Were there issues around the soil or was, was no, something going it, on? Out in ground where I live, there was a tire fire. And I understand that they're trying to protect the groundwater, which got contaminated by it. Okay. And they don't want people on oh. using that groundwater. Sure. And yet some people are using that groundwater. There's a good portion of us that had our wells in perfect running order and everything else. What happened to a lot of people that the water went out is when they hooked up the water system, they drew the uh, overall aquifer down about 10 feet when they first did it. That's just what happens when mm-hmm. you 
tap into a aquifer and put a new township on it. Right. Well, so there's a lot involved in all of this, right? Not to to state. So it's easy. You know, you had to go without. Why not just take care of it day one? Hold on. So it takes time. Yeah. A lot of phone calls, a lot of time, and a lot of patience. And unfortunately, my patient only goes so far, and I end up in frustration zone, and I shut down, basically. But thankfully, from the support of my friends and family and everything else, I got that support I needed to go forward and accept the help that I was offered and everything else. I love the community aspect. I mean, that's in... That's in NMCAA. It's our It keeps coming up, but in different ways, individuals are stepping up yeah. to help a friend, well, a family Well, you know, member. they say one person can get the ball rolling, but to get a movement going or to accomplish something, it takes more than one person. Yeah, it's a community thing. So I'm curious, what was the hardest part for you going your duration without water? I mean, it was quite some time, uh, so... Personal hygiene. Yeah. Hmm. That was, yeah. You don't want to go out in public smelling or, yeah. or sure. you know, and it, you can you can keep yourself pretty clean. But I used to go up once a week to the local truck stop and take showers. Yeah. To, to That would be my one day that I was really clean, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and the rest okay. of the week, I just try to keep yourself halfway presentable and, mm-hmm. you know. Right. There are times when I don't want to go out and do anything. I look like, I mean, you right, know, and that I contributes like to, to a, you know, a, a different it, cycle, right? And then it, it's, it's like anything else. You fall into patterns, and when you see that it's not a good pattern, you try to change it. Change is a hard thing for some people. Do you find that your resilience comes from a certain place, and not maybe just oh because you served? Oh my God. I had the oddest couple that you could find. My mother was a, a, a social worker for the state of Michigan, and my father was CFO for a major construction company. Wow. So I had this person <laughs> over here who had a real strong understanding of the humanity of life. Yeah. yeah. And I had somebody over here that was really strong about the rigidity and financials and everything yeah, else. Yeah. And it's like, who do I listen to? So I just grew up with a, <laughs> yeah. a, a big amount of acceptance that they're not always going to agree. They divorced when I was like 14. Yeah, And it's like, in, before I moved up here, they were living within a mile of each other still. Really? Yeah. Uh. They never really got over each other. I'll put it that way. Uh. Huh. Opposites do attract, but you were you were given two sides of a coin. Yeah, those are maybe sides that are in opposition to one another. At times, but yes, you have got examples. Times. But resilience came yeah, from that, right? Exactly, yeah, because it takes resilience There's to take, be a social worker I, and a well, CEO. Oh my God, the amount of accepting people for who and what they are that I've had to go through. I've had people that have come in and lived with me and everything else. And it's like, it's hard at times. It's hard to accept behaviors that they've been doing that all, their whole life. You know, who am I to say that that's not the smartest thing to do? 
And you got to have a lot of acceptance there. And I think one of the things that in dealing with other people and the public in general is that dawning fact that there are people that are better than you at certain things and you're going to be better at certain things than other people. Yeah. Supposedly we're all equal. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, I think that's what makes community great is we all can fill each other's gaps and yeah. rise up and when yeah, we need it yeah. and things like that. It, so. it takes many to make things happen, as yeah. we talked about. So yeah. in comes Craig. Yeah. So, Craig, you partnered with NMCAA as a contractor to carry out this project of Doug's. Um, can you tell us, did this job come with any specific complications? Well, not really. I mean, I hate to say it was any other job, but it's the same issues that you run in anyone's house, really. I mean, I run into people's houses all the time that have old pipes and issues with their water all the time. So it wasn't super new or anything like that to me yeah. to go through and replace someone's pipes. It's the first time I've gotten somebody water back that they haven't had for 13 years. Sure. So that's a little bit different. Yeah. But A job is a job, and that's how you approach it, right? Like... This is how we need to do this. But then there's that other piece. Well, that's the first time I've done that. So is that the kind of thing that when you do work and when you find partners, do you look for those kind of inspiring stories at times? Do you like the good work? Yeah, I don't mind it. You know, it always feels good when you leave somebody with something, you know, they're just like so thankful for when it's done. Yeah. That's always just... (laughs) Good feeling, you well, know. Yeah, you're see, like, I'm seeing a little bit of like, a, yeah, it's not a small thing though in this case, yeah. right? <laughs> no, I mean, exactly. And, and Alpers came out and got their stuff done in, in a day, and they had to redirect and figure out where to put it because the people who had came came and done the marking of where the utilities and everything, they went right over my drain field, and <laughs> they oh. went ahead to dig through the drain field. To do it the way the original people who had come out and supposedly marked all the utilities and everything. And I think it was the day after Alpers, and it was almost a week before Craig was allowed to do anything. And Craig, you still had to work with others too. Were there any particular set of skills that you had to bring to bear in that regard? Or again, it was done the way it needed to be done. And for your part, it was pretty easy to work with NMCAA to do this project? There's just a couple things. Like, I wasn't super sure if Elpers pressurized the line and then just left or what. So I had to contact Emily and see what was going on with water, see if they pressurized it. Because I had to cut it open and install a meter valve on it as well, which I didn't know that I had to do originally, which wasn't a big deal, which I was able to contact Emily and then um, figure out that I needed the meter valve. So I went to Blair Township, got the meter valve and got that installed and Got the is that because of the passing of some years, there may be some new regulations, there may be some new environmental codes that you had to take into account at all? Could, uh, could the passage of that much time cause a problem? Like, we need to do this now? Yes, overall, that's why I ended up replacing a lot of his pipes originally, was just because it's like there hasn't been water in there for 13 years. Right. They're galvanized. What galvanized does is when it doesn't have water in it, rusts. I yeah. mean, it was used because it didn't rust. Well, the problem was... Is the water would erode the inside of it, and it was just a galvanized coating on iron. Right, is right. all it is. So it didn't really work out exactly the way That's they, they thought it was. There's been some smart things in our past, but that was a little short-sighted, feels like. 
Well, that's what partially caused the water problems down in Flint was using two different metals within the same water system. Right, right. And I think it's important to add that this is the first time on the HEAS program that we've actually had to or been able to connect somebody to a municipal water supply. So there were a lot of, we have to make sure that we're getting permits and following codes. And I think that Craig works so incredibly hard. I don't think that he really knows how the work impacts. We're incredibly, incredibly thankful for Craig and everything that he does at, at Bayside. Yeah. So I, I'd like to put that in there. Yeah. Of Craig, as a contractor, what benefits do you have working directly with NMCAA? It's just nice to go and do jobs for people that are less fortunate and need help. I mean, not everyone's this good of a feel-good story, but someone needs a handicapped shower because they can't step over a tub wall anymore. And I got to go put a new handicapped shower in. And, you know, they're just so grateful the day you leave. They're like, this is awesome. I don't have yeah. to worry about falling in the shower anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you, know. you know, living with pain, living with mobility challenges, that's real. And, and, and that could hurt a person's psyche over time, even if it's small. So, yeah, I think a little love fest for Craig. It's all good. For sure. We, we could all give day. that, you all know, day. because yeah. the work had to be done. And it's not it's not easy. Again, connecting with. Yeah, and I absolutely know for Doug, it was not easy. And I think the biggest takeaway, I mean, I have my perspective from where I'm at in the situation. And I know, obviously, Doug has his, but he was so tireless and so diligent when it came to doing. We requested a lot of paperwork and documents and signatures and, you know, did so many things from him. And so I think that he had learned a way to be a real advocate for himself, which is truly my goal within our program to help people in that way. For you, what is your day-to-day? Because... You think about the logistics and what it takes to coordinate this, mm-hmm. and here you are recording a podcast for yeah. your job. Yeah. So how do you stay motivated even on the tasks that aren't as inspiring? Every task, every day is inspiring. Every day is different. I am a lucky individual to be able to help people that are less fortunate, whether it be from poverty or medical disabilities or death. There's so many different things that we all as human beings go through. And I'm inspired every day, every day by each individual story. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm blessed for that and the wonderful people that help us contractor-wise yeah. and our whole entire agency. Doug, I've said this before. I'm always curious about the individuals who aren't speaking up. And what I hope for this podcast is that it gives individuals strength, family strength to take that next step. As you're talking through this, would you have advice for anybody who may be feeling the way you were feeling. And I know it's hard, or maybe it's easier through rose-colored glasses to say, do this. But to somebody who may be where you were, who's really paralyzed, is there anything you can think of that may relate to Uh, them or what helped you? The thing that I took, oh, there's a lot of people that through the last, like I said, I've been dealing with this about 13 years since 2010. And I've lost people along the way. But the thing is, is that the people I lost were part of the impetus of why I do this, of why I went through. And I said, no, I mean, I don't have my older brother passed from leukemia about three years ago. I don't know where I would be without the help that he gave me along the way. And I mean, he was suffering from leukemia and he mm-hmm. went out of his way to stop by every now and again and say, hey, keep going. 
don't give up, you know? So are you saying that maybe take inspiration? A lot of inspiration from other people, and I wouldn't be here without it. So be open to that. Be open to listening to, hey, slow your little roll. You don't have to be alone in this. And I think that's probably a good one to say. Reach out. I mean, there's so many different places you can reach out to. There's DHS. There's Father Fred. There's the Community Action Agency. There's Love Incorporated. There's the churches in the area. Yeah. Did you find confidence when you were working with an MCAA because of the name an MCAA, because of what they've done? Did that give you confidence that things were going to move forward? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's a matter of me accepting the fact that you need help, accepting the fact that there are people out there that are willing to do it. You just have to find them. And like I said, there's so many organizations. Reach out to somebody in, in one of those organizations. Yeah, Get to know them and let them get yeah. to know you. Because in many cases, they're a neighbor. I, again, I've got enough big city in me that I still appreciate the fact that you could run into the director of the airport in this town. And like you said, I don't know if there's a place for elitism and I'm better than you. I mean, we're all neighbors. And yeah, and, and this is showing that exclusively, Yeah, yeah. which is wonderful. Just, just, yeah. I mean, there's barriers and, and you might not feel like you belong there or, and you might not feel like you deserve it, but, you know, it's yeah. there. And yes, you do deserve it. Emily, I wanted to talk with you quick. I know in preparation for this podcast, we had talked and I asked you, is this project, did it fall under weatherization or home repair? And I believe you told me it was through SDOH grant. Is that correct? And can you tell us what that is and how, I believe you also said it was a pilot program or something. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Sure, of course. So it is, you're correct, it is the SDOH program. It's a specific water grant, emergency water issues, which could mean, you know, whether you're washing your clothes, your body, you're drinking it, anything septic well that would have to do with with the water issue. We actually had about uh, a $500,000 grant this year, which we have committed the funds already, which we're in it as a pilot program. We're hoping we get it picked back up again because the need is so great. And that's what we were able to use to help Mr. Birdzall with his water getting turned back on. So, yeah. So before we get things wrapped up and whatnot, Craig, I want to make sure that I'm sure that you're busy with work, I'm assuming. (laughs) But if someone were interested in contacting you, they listen to today's podcast and they say, hey, he sounds like a good guy. I trust him. I want to meet with him about my plumbing issue. What's your contact information, if you don't mind sharing? I have a website. It's www.baysideplumbingllc.co. Okay. And then you can also just reach me at my phone number, which is 231-342-7818. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much. Okay. Now the big question. This is the question Ryan and I have been asking. Emily, if you had one wish for the Heath Department, what would it be and why? That's a really good question. One wish for the Heath Department, I would say my wish would be that we would get a million dollars in SDOH funding. We could really use it. I think it's a wonderful pilot. It's probably my favorite funding source of all that we've had. So that right. would be my wish. 
So that would solve some problems. That would absolutely solve problems. And there are other ways to connect, to support, to donate, to volunteer, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you were interested in donating, I would really suggest calling our main line, which is 231-947-3780, our own Amy will just happily answer any questions you might See, have. See, here about- it is again. Another, <laughs> you will call and contact. You'll get a person. You'll, get you'll a be person. taken care of. Absolutely. And there may be some gaps here and there. Like, it happens. But yeah. that's the thing that keeps... I kind of want to call just sometimes if I'm lonely. I wouldn't do yeah. that. But we would love it. No, The we kindness, get it. it's really it's really astounding. We've and got the fact it. that you can do that in this day and age, pick up the phone yeah. and say, I need help. And be taken care of, be treated with dignity, and the job's going to get done. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I'm having a down day. Maybe I need a call, you know? (laughs) Call me. I'll talk. I love it. So that's, you know, you can call our main line if you're interested in donating. You can reach out to, if you're looking to speak with me for any reason, if you have questions about the intake process or how to get started, I can be reached. My main line is 231-346-346. 2137, or you can catch me by email, which is E B R O N K E M A at NMCAA.net. You're going to get people reaching out. Good. I, I think that's, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> we love it. Emily, Doug, Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. Also, Northwest Community Action Agency helps run a program that I'm part of now. I was in the hospital for about 14 days with a back compression. And afterwards, the people there, or I contacted them while I was in the hospital. It's Meals on Wheels program. And just good job, guys. That's about all I can say. (laughs) How are you doing now? Are you feeling better now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, It's God, I had that. And then in the fall, I had bleeding ulcers that I was hospitalized for in the last year. And I'm starting to get back. Well, let's. Get how about back. some clear sailing for the summer? How about <laughs> yeah, that? that's what I. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Thank you so much for the amazing stories, and we really appreciate you taking time to be here today and, and sharing with us. So, thank you guys all for being here today. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, we'd like to share your community stories regarding NMCAA. So, if you have a story you'd like to share about how NMCAA has impacted your life like it's impacted Doug's in various ways, send us an email at collectiveuspodcast at nmcaa.net. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the like, follow, share buttons. It helps us continue to get the word out on all the good things NMCA does in our community. If you would like to learn more about Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency or the programs we offer, or would like to make a donation, we encourage you to reach out at 231 947 3780 or visit our website nmcaa.net and to our listeners today we encourage you to continue to strive each day to do something to help yourself or your neighbors <laughs>